When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. Femba can go to hell. Topical talk, outspoken opinion and inspirational conversation on the hour of badass power. Underwear, armpit hair, many imitators but no one compares. Minter, Campbell and Sexton are your all-new Saturday Night Super Squad. Badass Women's Hour on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. One, two, three! Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions we can muster, and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter, and I'm joined by my co host Natalie Campbell. And we have a stand in this week. It's not the usual Emma Sexton, it is the lovely Ernestina Potts. Hello, Ernestina. Hello. Hello. <laughs> uh, Happy New Year to all of you, and welcome back. We are, they've kept us at 2018, and we're still here, Nat. Yes, Hurrah. still here. Still here. <laughs> um, and we're going to be here with you just talking about some news stories that have caught our attention, interviewing a truly badass woman. And answering your badass balls up to your problems, our wisdom, what could go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) But as ever, we like to start with the news stories of the week and things that caught our attention. And Ernestina, you are first up. What has, uh, what's grabbed your eye this week? Well, uh, the story I saw about um, Theresa May potentially considering a reshuffle that includes seven new um, female ministers as a proactive attempt to address gender imbalance really kind of caught my eye, mainly because of the the kind of commentary on it. Um, So why is she thinking about doing this now? What's... What does she feel like? There's not enough women in the cabinet at the moment. Is it about well, that's gender? That's quite obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously she's she's well not obviously, but she is doing a reshuffle anyway. But mm-hmm. this is about actually proactively. Should I be looking at um, you know reshuffling and promoting some women more? Um, because she's about 30% at the moment, I think. And one of the comments that came out of this was that apparently lots of the Tory backbenchers have been saying to her, oh, well, you can promote some women, but all promotion should be done mm. on merit. Absolute merit, I think, was the word used, Absolute actually. The merit. phrase, rather, yeah. So I don't know about <clears> you, but that drives me up the wall. Why do we use the yeah. phrase all promotions on merit when it comes to women? I now, know. We do it for everything, right? We it's do it ridiculous. For- as soon as the diversity, as soon as anything related to diversity comes up, you can guarantee that a man will pitch up and say, "But it must be on merit." And I agree, all of life should be on merit. But no one says that when we're appointing men. I don't hear any men saying, "Oh, make sure we're appointing that 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 guy on merit." Um, so I think that whoever said it needs to take a long hard look at themselves in the mirror yeah also these are not kind of like women who are you know have no experience or whatever it's like 
they're know, already ministers. Exactly. Yeah, they're so already ministers. ministers. It's not like taking someone totally random and putting them in it. <laughs> like, Oi, Mary, Mary, come in here, come in here a minute. Do you, do you want to join the cabinet? It's not that. It's not that person, man, whoever said appointment on merit. And I think this this rolls over into to board appointments. Towards the end of last year, there was lots of conversation around diversity uh, on boards. And I think we really need to move away from this, you know, well, if it's if it's a woman and it's a person of colour, then it must be on merit or, or you know, we, this whole tokenism debate. Get over yourselves. You guys weren't appointed on, on merit. You no. were appointed because you were mates. Mm. Uh, Ernestina, quotas, would you have them? Do you think they're a good idea? Do you think she should be, and Theresa May, and actually anyone appointing at any level should be looking at it and saying, do you know what? I don't have enough of this type of person. I'm only looking for that person. Personally, I am pro quotas, but Mm -hmm. I think it's actually more about the sentiment of like, do you want to proactively address this? Because what really gets me about the absolute merit thing is that assumes that we're all on a level playing field to start off with. So obviously, if everyone's equal, yeah, you choose the best person, but we're not. And how committed to equality are the employers or whoever it is? If you're committed, then you need to be proactive. And whether that's through imposing that on yourself through a quota or just committing to doing something like perhaps, you know, Theresa May might be in this instance, like just looking more proactively. I think if you're committed to equality, you have to act. Brilliant. I think that's really true. And I think there's something also about saying, actually, do you know what? I'm looking around. There aren't the people that I want to see here. It doesn't look representative. And I think in Theresa May's case, maybe being slightly cynical, looking at it and saying, do you know what, I'm just going to get hauled across the coals if I don't do this, mm-hmm. so I need to be a bit more proactive about it. Uh, I'm also pro-quotas. We love them here. Nah. Just, no, so nah, we, no. I, I'm not. <laughs> uh, what I'm for is the development of a talent pipeline. You have to just, you have to nurture talent coming through so that everyone sitting around the table is brilliant. So that if you're hiring 12 people, you know that you've got 12 brilliant people that you can put forward, regardless of, of gender or ethnicity. Um, and I, I think... It, the, the quota piece re- is is sort of a retrospective. How how do we address address numbers? But actually, we should be we should be thinking about this talent piece and leadership much much sooner within organisations. Do you think we'd be more likely to do that if there was a quota at the top, though? If we had more women sitting around the table, no, because I don't necessarily believe that the generation. No, 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 not that. But if we said, if you were looking at it and you were like, oh my god, I have to get, for example, forty percent women yeah. on my board in the next five years. I need. Do you think people are then going to be more proactive about developing the talent pipeline? No, I don't think. I don't think they would. Because they're not doing they it would, now, are they? they? Would, no, they would just. They would just fill. They would just solve solve the problem. So they should be like, right, just find find five. Uh, companies are lazy. Let's let's be honest. Companies are lazy. They need they need to realise that de- developing talent makes your company perform better. And when they get that sort of narrative together then they will do it off their own merit okay that's what we think and what do you think do you think Theresa may needs more women in her cabinet our quote is a good idea do tweet us and tell us at badass women's hour hr at badass women's hour uh nat what's your story for this week so my one on a completely different topic um it, the headline is social media firms must take more responsibility as children grow up, grow up chasing likes and this is a warning from the children's commissioner for england and it really uh, stood out to me because i've taken a social media sabbatical i say sabbatical i just basically just switched off from social media over the christmas period so that was twitter instagram and facebook so no posting not you know minimal scrolling mm-hmm. 
um, because it, it, that that element of of likes and uh, getting constant notifications it, it started to do weird things to my brain, and so thinking about you know young people uh, at the age of seven, the commission saying they're ill-equipped to deal with this whole thing of being rated and liked and this constant deluge of information, and if I felt it as a grown woman at thirty-four, I can only imagine what it must be if you're seven and your whole world around you and how you're categorised and your meaning in the world has been created in this virtual land. So, because I really feel that, which is, it is essentially, it's a dopamine hit. It's an addictive thing, social media. is designed to be addictive. Ernestina, do you think for young children that actually we need to be a bit more careful? Are they getting into it too much? Yeah, totally. I think it's really worrying. I mean, I know um, a friend's younger sister who um, they're kind of in a group of about 15 of them before they post a selfie, which is a slightly weird thing to be doing at their age anyway, in my view, but a bit old fashioned, whatever. Um, so they'll send it around, they'll get comments and feedback, and then ultimately as a group, they'll decide whether it's good enough to be posted or not. Wow. Scares Ooh, me. Yeah. I mean, even with my bestest friends now, yeah, being grown women, like you know confident in myself to an extent whatever it's 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 kind of that must be soul destroying if you get a no and that's the one you've chosen and everyone's saying their comments yes no that is scary and also that need for validation right that's the thing that i think is really interesting about this report because the report says we're creating a generation that grew up with the idea that actually unless somebody likes what you're doing Mm. it has no validity Mm, it's not worth anything exactly and that i think is terrifying because actually you should be doing stuff because you believe in it because you think it's useful i also have an issue um specifically with young people not necessarily knowing what is appropriate to post Mm. and posts of young people where actually you can see more of their body then mm. we should be allowed to see. And the report also looks at this. So, you know, the young people not knowing the risks of what they're posting. I've read stories of young people at the age of 13 posting videos of themselves having sex. And, you know, that is ultimately child pornography. And again, it's because, in you know, Kim Kardashian became famous off the back of a sex tape. So we need to do more as a society to start to put some boundaries around responsible use of social media. Mm-hmm very important um what would you want to see on what would you what would be the boundary that you would put for your kids i don't know i mean actually i do have to tell you this one story this is one reason why it is a good idea sometimes to send photos around your friends years and years and years ago i went on a girl's holiday with some of my very good girlfriends and we were obviously one morning after a bit of a hangover we were all sat on the main bed chatting away somebody took a photo put those photos up on social media i was wearing like an oversized (laughs) t-shirt and not a lot else <gasps> and the angle was not oh, great did you have booty oh out did you have Oh, I mean, page. it was bad. It was really bad. <laughs> and she didn't check it before she put it up there. Oh. Uh, and then one of my friends called me to say, you might want to take it down. And she was in a meeting for two hours and I could not get it taken down. But yeah. how many likes did it get? Well, quite, actually, <laughs> quite a few. <laughs> um, so uh, that's social media. I definitely needs a bit more regulation. I think yeah. we should actually be teaching it, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should teach it, maybe. Um, so my final story for this week on the back of social media and getting famous essentially is Celebrity Big Brother (laughs) so I have to say that I've never really been like into Celebrity Big Brother which is astonishing because I do love a reality TV show Um, but this year I decided I was going to watch it because it was billed as the year of the woman and that means that I thought they were having an all female cast for the whole of it no 
They've got an all-female cast for four days and then they're bringing the boys in before we all get bored of the women. (laughs) Um, But they're billing it as this is about a show about giving women the opportunity to talk and explain and show what it's really like to be a woman and talk about the issues facing women today. Ernestina, you're like, just like shaking shaking her head, head, looking disgusted. (laughs) Do you think that's really going to happen? No, obviously (laughs) not. But I mean, my thing, I don't think it's a bad thing. Like, number one, it's only Celebrity Big Brother, right? So obviously it's just trash TV. So let's not over egg it. But it's entertainment. Uh, Anything, I think, that makes us think about equality and, you know, gives women more representation. Brilliant. So I'm not against it at all. But I just think to bill it as some kind of, you know, feminist solving, like problem solving reality, you know, we'll all understand women and feminism more by the end of it. I mean, come on, get over yourself. So Rachel Johnson, who's one of the contestants, went in there saying she was so excited there would be four days and it was just women and they could talk about things other than men. But they have talked about men quite a lot so far. (laughs) Nat, do you think this is going to show us to our best... Just going to put our best face forward. Well, I mean, um, I don't know anyone that watches me and my girlfriends in a room when we're alone. I don't think it would be, yeah, just, yeah, no. Um, I'm with Ernestina on this. I think anything that has women getting airtime doing whatever we're doing is, is great. I think they know that this is not feminism, but actually it started a really good conversation. And I... I'm I'm not watching it. Um, that's just because I just don't have the brain space to watch it. But I, you know, listening to the stories and 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 listening to you guys talk about what's going on. So this, I read your article around this. You know, the circuit. They one of their first tasks was putting together a circuit board or something. And there was one woman that did it, and one that was like, actually, you know, I, I can't. Chip to nail, can't do it. Chip to nail, can't do it. Uh, it's it's interesting. It's fun to talk about, and so let's just enjoy it for what it is. It's just good stuff to to talk about so the thing that i do like about it is that actually you know i got to write an article about feminism for the sun yeah yeah that doesn't happen a <laughs> was lot was it in the headline was it in the headline uh, i think actually it might have been yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't happen. i haven't read the comments i'm just not going there um, but that doesn't happen a lot and so maybe it is bringing yeah. a different debate into mainstream tv um I'm not sure that I really want Anne Widdicombe's form of feminism on my TV every night. No, but, but but again, but the conversation, her putting whatever she's got to say out there and it's starting a debate, that's more important than her being locked in a cupboard talking to herself. I don't know. Yeah, but, uh, maybe. Uh, no. maybe. <laughs> um, I don't know. Have you been watching it? What do you think? Are you enjoying it? Who's your favourite? Um, come and tell us because we'd love to know. We want to know, should we keep watching it? I've been watching it a bit. Nat hasn't got into should it I yet. Should I start? Should I? Anastina, what do you think? Are you going to be watching it? Um, I've seen a bit of the first episode and that's all. But yeah. Um, yeah. Should we stick with will it? check in. Should we stick with it? Tell us. Uh, come tweet us at badasswomensour, HR at badasswomensour. Coming up next, uh, we're going to be talking about that kind of back to I don't know about you, New Year's, back to work, New Year's resolutions, wanting to make the most of your career. So we're going to be talking to somebody who is definitely doing that. We have Pip Jameson, founder of The Dots, with us. And she is going to be telling us all about the importance of networking after this break. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour. All the opinions you can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm 
Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Campbell and this week in Premier Sexton we have the lovely Ernestina Potts. <laughs> so we need music. We do need Theme music. Tunes. And also join, joining us this week we have Pip Jameson, founder of the Darts. Hi Pip! Music required, maestro. <laughs> you can just sing. Uh, Pip, thank you so much for joining us. For anyone who doesn't know you or doesn't know the Darts, tell us a little bit about what it is and what you do. Yeah, so people describe the dots a bit like LinkedIn for the creative industries. So um, we essentially help people promote themselves online and then we connect them to amazing jobs. And so the creative industries, what does that cover? Do you know what? My definition of creativity is incredibly broad. So the kind of companies that use us are everything from arts organisations like the Tate, but also tech companies like Spotify, Google. You know, you've got publishing houses, advertising agencies, film, TV. We're also free for charities. So charities like Shelter, um, Save the Children, they also hire through us, which is magic to see. So it's sort of a hiring platform, is that right? It's sort of a community. So kind of as LinkedIn's geared around being able to promote yourself online, mm-hmm. we're geared around the same. However, the difference I guess between us and LinkedIn is that our community is much more portfolio based they tend mm-hmm. to work on project by project basis so the way the dots works is people post projects on the dots and then they tag the full team around those projects so oh, cool. someone could put the show up and put all of you guys as the hosts <laughs> you know me being interviewed and the producer next door and so we're kind of like a living wiki of projects and the people and teams behind those projects that's amazing so where, what's the background how, how did you start it and, and what did you do before the dots yeah so I studied economics and maths at uni so did I oh my <laughs> gosh where in Sheffield okay and Edinburgh oh, there we go God, we've got two maths people in today <laughs> <laughs> never used it <laughs> well hilariously my dad was actually a creative and so my way of being a rebel was I'm going to do economics and maths <laughs> um, and then after that I did I, went, I became an economist for a did year did you? Yeah. oh my god <laughs> so I joined the fast stream civil service um, and I was um, my first government I, I joined the government because I wanted, had aspirations to change the world realised that was not really going to be possible within <laughs> government so um, I jumped ship joined the creative industries I started working for the Brit Awards and then for various roles with MTV around the world and it was while I was at MTV I kind of realized that there was nothing designed online like LinkedIn had been designed I guess for that more white-collar workforce for all the people I was hanging out with Um, and there were massive differences between that traditional way of work and my friends and traditionally you'd have that like traditional job ladder where you'd sort of specialize and become an accountant and go to PwC but my mates were you know working in a much more fluid way they were all slashies multi-skilled <laughs> portfolio careers you know in the US right now 43% of millennials are, have a portfolio career mm-hmm. so that's a massive trend so they might be working three days one place but you know they're also running their own fashion label their own blog and so LinkedIn wasn't designed around that workforce so we just wanted to create a new way that's nice. really interesting do you think that trend of um, you know, people having three, four, or five different careers running simultaneously—is that just going to grow? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's around. We 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 started calling our community no-collar professionals. <laughs> um, there's around 80 million of us now already in Europe and North America. Um, however, the great thing about this community is they're least susceptible to automation. So, you know, the next couple of years are going to be very interesting in terms of algorithms and who's going to be disrupted and those traditional industries that you know are in the city. 
they might not be around for much longer. But the fact that people are becoming more multi-skilled makes them less susceptible to automation. So, and creativity is actually one of the last things you can automate. So, and you've just raised investment, and mm. is that because you know industry investors realizing that this is a growing population that you're serving? The current platforms don't necessarily provide what this audience needs, and actually with the dots, you know, you, you're the market lead at the moment. Tell us more about the background to that. Yeah, so very kindly Forbes asked if we were the next LinkedIn um, okay. because we were looking after this future workforce and a lot of the trends, I mean, it started in creativity, but a lot of the traits that creatives have are actually what millennials have. They want more flexible working. They want to do portfolio careers. They want to be more creative. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess, why we raised, raised the round, which was gruelling, but I'm glad I'm out the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Did you literally have to pitch like it was Dragon's Den? Oh my God, it was like Dragon's Den, but worse. Um, so I was raising four million and um, oh, one of the pictures I walked in, it was just literally a room full of men and there was about 30 of them. So at least on Dragon's Den, they have women. So, <laughs> so And so for people that, that don't know, mm. in terms of aiming to raise four million pounds, were you raising that from individuals? So angel investors, was it a venture capital raise? Were you going into institutions? What's, how, what, what's the meat and potatoes of actually raising investment? Because I think lots of people talk about it mm. and they're not sure what it actually means. Yeah, so we, this was our second round of investment. So uh, two years ago, we raised 1.5 million and that was through angel investors. So on this round, a lot of those angel investors came back in again, but also brought on new investors. And because at the heart of what The Dots does is around diversity, I wanted to make sure my investment group was very diverse. So um, people that are backing us are people like um, The Garage, which is run by Sir John Hegarty, but also um, we're uh, backed by Angel Academy, which only invests in female founders and co-founders. We're also backed by um, Gangels, which only invest in LGBT um, executive teams and my COO is LGBT. So it's a really brilliant group. I didn't go near the VCs, not quite yet. I didn't feel like I was, that's where I wanted to go yet. (laughs) So you've created this essentially database community of brilliant creative professionals doing brilliant things. Does that allow you to spot work trends, do you think? Oh, yeah. And what do you think is coming up in 2018? What should we be looking out for? Uh, Massive work trends are the death of the job title. Um, Mm. What's really interesting on the site, you'll see things like content is the new, like, job title. But what on earth does that mean? Yeah, I produce content. I mean, I produce so much content all day, (laughs) every day on Twitter. (laughs) So, like, in 2016, we didn't see any job job titles with content and then in two well hardly any in 2017 such suddenly every job is like a (laughs) content job but actually if you look at the core skills people want different things they want either strategists or they want um, writers or they want um, videographers so you know like job titles are starting to become meaningless I think what's more important is people look at the core skills they have so for example with journalism you know lots of people are being let go through journalism but actually what is your core skill are you a writer okay then you could be a writer for say branded campaigns or something else so I think it's more about your core skills than don't kind of okay. put yourself but in but do box. you think people know what their skills are hmm. like a quick whip round the table if I someone no asked idea. you straight away and said you no. know what are your skills could you reel off three I don't know Oh, no, it's really, it's really hard, I think, actually, unless you have a proper profession or like, you know what, you are a videographer or whatever. I think it's quite hard to define. And it's not because I'm modest. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm happy to say I'm good at loads of stuff. But I, I you know, I don't know. I find it quite hard to. I mean, the one thing I would say is that I do, <laughs> depending on who is asking the question, I'd probably change the answer. 
I'll yeah, say. Cool. I'd be like, that's <laughs> just a skill smart. this person wants me to have. Mm. But that, that skill that's and that skill ability, in that's re- exactly, yeah. but mm. that's really important. And for anyone that's sitting home thinking, I want to change jobs, I want a new career, I want to do something differently, that ability to say, well, this is, these are the skills that I have. So let me not think about the job or even the organisation. These are the skills that I have. This is what I enjoy. This is what people are willing to pay for. This is what the world needs. I don't know if people can grasp all of those things. Yeah, a really quick fix for that is actually go into your job. So go onto the dots and actually find your job title and then see the skills that have been posted by that company next to your job title. (laughs) And then basically it will give you a plethora of ideas. And then you can go, oh, I don't like that bit. I'd like that bit. And actually, if the bit you like is actually the skill of a different job, that's your opportunity to kind of jump ship and go somewhere else. So the dots is a network. Uh, when anyone says the word network or networking to me, it brings me out in hives. <laughs> <laughs> How do you think that's changing? Are we doing it in a different way than those kind of painful drinks parties where you have to try and introduce yourself with a canopy in your mouth? Yeah, I think it's sort of becoming more authentic. Or that's what we're trying to build is more authentic experience. I think, you know, with LinkedIn, it is that very sort of dry networking experience. It's very corporate. You know, we have a no arseholes rule on the dots. My favorite thing is deleting arsehole profiles. It's great. <laughs> um, so I think I think everyone these days, it is about self-promotion and it is about getting out there and it is about networking online, but also offline. And you never know when that opportunity comes across. But I think think the most important thing is I, I used to hate networking but then I realized everyone was in the room for exactly the same reason and you you walk up to someone you start chatting and they're as nervous as you are and so it's actually not as scary as you think because everyone's there to do the same thing so just go for it but you mentioned that your platform's kind of uh, in the Europe and the US how the hell does that work when British people are competing with self-promotion of American people we're just on different levels I mean so like you've got a British person who's got loads of skills but then you know I don't yeah. know uh, occasionally quite good at yes. this yeah. if the weather is correct yeah. exactly like could be okay uh, well hilariously 30% of our community is offshore at the moment but 90% of our clients are actually in the UK but we funnily enough the US growth came from the fact that when Trump got elected we suddenly saw this massive spike of people sign up and oh, I think wow. it's because they all wanted to leave the US. <laughs> that is so and then it happened and they were like oh, oh sugar. <laughs> now after oh. Trump I literally had about three American people that, like, and they weren't even people I knew at all just asking me about jobs in the UK. <laughs> so I was like wow. Yeah they all joined the dots. It was mental. So you know I think we should be one world and I think especially that future workforce coming through they want to work internationally. They want the opportunity to go to Berlin, Barcelona, US. People want to have amazing global opportunities and I guess that's one I want to make sure that everyone has the Is there anything we can learn from our US cousins about self-promotion? They're just better at it. Oh no, that's <laughs> terrible. Um, I think something that we do see on the site is actually with women, they tend not to promote themselves as much, so they won't put as many projects up on the site. They'll be a bit more humble about what they do. Um, Americans are like the opposite end and I think, especially to women, I think we've just got to go, be really proud of what you do, say what you do, say all the amazing things you've achieved and promote the projects you're working on. I think you mean be more badass. (laughs) Be more badass, that's exactly what I mean. (laughs) So, so finally, just thinking about, for, particularly for creatives, because we have a lot of people in the creative industries mm. who listen to the show, mm. I think there is a bit of a, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Not juxtaposition, a conflict between promotion and creativity. Because actually, when you are creating something, it's it's a beautiful cycle of, oh, I've got this great idea. It's going to be amazing. Oh, is it going to be amazing? Oh, no. Oh, my God, it's terrible. Oh, my God, I've never created anything good again. Oh, my God, it's the worst thing. Maybe it's okay. I think it might be okay. Oh, it's great. And round and round in a circle. How can we maybe cut through that circle a little bit and help each other out? Oh, it's so true. I think that's why we tried to create a really safe space for creatives. So we do delete profiles if people are nasty. Um, Our whole kind of principle is based on positivity. It's about having a community where people actually support each other's work. And you're not actually being creative unless you create muck-ups every now and again and you fail. And so the whole point of the dots is to have that sort of environment where you're not going to get absolutely destroyed because of what you've put out there. It's more supportive. Do you think we were talking about social media earlier in the show and this culture? that has said we have to rate everything do you think that has been helpful or unhelpful for creatives oh i think uh it's so tough i think that you know what you were chatting about earlier i think especially with kids it's really hard for self-esteem um i you know likes don't actually form a huge part of our algorithm for example on the dots because we're always trying to surface just fresh people not because they've been liked by Lowe's but because we love their work and actually we have an in-house curation team that goes through the whole site to make sure that happens. Okay, that's interesting and I think that curation point um, because curation can be subjective too but that that thing of moving it away from the masses and the people that can just have actually their skill is getting people to mass like them whether their work is good or not I think removing that means that people spend more time really putting out content or producing things that they care about versus what they think will get that mass appreciation yeah a huge part of what we do is heroing people that are just doing great honest work and I love that yeah (laughs) me too (laughs) do you find that the word creative is quite limiting though or almost like put because like I'm because you're you talk about some really kind of forward-thinking stuff in terms of like the future of work and the way people are working but then also just having this creative label is it feels a bit stifling because even kind of just thinking like if you're an accountant but you work for you know a music company are you then a creative if you're in the creative industries if you're an accountant who's like totally hustling loads of different things or like create an amazing app or do you know what I mean so like where does it stop is it is this just about a mindset more than like a industry oh I I love the mindset of creativity because I think we're all creative it's a human trait to be creative Um, but funnily enough actually we have had that debate internally Mm. and we've actually started calling our community no collar professionals um, because it is more encompassing of the people behind the work and actually over 21% of our community don't even work in the creative industries and this is mainly driven by millennials who are going to LinkedIn and they're like, what? This is this dry, corporate, very masculine platform. I want an alternative. And we were really surprised, but suddenly it sort of became a creative, but now no collar professional. No collar professionals. (laughs) That's what we all are. Um, Mainly because we just don't like shirts. Pip, thanks so much for joining us. You're going to stay in for our badass balls. That's going to be some wisdom. Amazing. Because that is coming up next. Your problems, our wisdom. We're going to try and use all our mistakes, lessons learned, etc, etc, to try and solve them. Including uh, what to do when your boyfriend goes on a health kick that you're just not included in. And how to get some of your work seen. What is the best way to do that? Uh, That is coming up after this little break. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Mincer, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. 
Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour, all the opinions you can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Campbell. And this week we have the lovely Ernestina Potts with us as well. Hello, Ernestina. And we're lucky to have with us Pip Jameson, founder of The Dots, here as our guest as well. And it's that time of the week where we have to put our serious thinking hats on. Serious faces, ladies. <laughs> Thoughtful, deep wisdom is needed at this point because it is our badass balls ups. Uh, it's your problems that we try and solve. If you want to tell us your problems, because we love to hear them, do come and find us on Twitter or Instagram at Badass Women's Hour HR. Um, you can keep it anonymous if you prefer, but come and tell us. We love to hear. So over Christmas, we've had some good ones. Uh, first up, Ernestine, you have got our first question this week. What is it? Yes, uh, this is a question from Joanna via Instagram. Um, she says, I have what I fi- what I like to imagine is a great relationship with my teen daughter. She talks to me freely. And even though I'm always the parent, I'm a confident at times as well. Recently, she told me that one of her friends, who is also 13 years old, is having unprotected sex, but made me promise not to tell the girl's mother, who is also my friend. I don't want to betray my daughter's trust, but I think that it's something that should somehow be addressed. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Full stop. (laughs) Yes, it is. Um, Now, what do you think? Are you telling... You're you're telling I'm there. I'm telling. I'm literally... That phone would be in my hand. I would be dialing. But I would would also sit down with my daughter and explain why I have Mm. to have that conversation. A, unprotected sex at 13 it's statutory rape uh b yes we, we yeah i want our friendship i want our relationships to feel like a friendship but ultimately i am your mother and i'm here to protect you and therefore that is then your extended network of friends and the people that you hang out with um but i would be on that phone i, I think the challenge is going to be because this is her, her this is a friend how you then communicate that with your friend because mm. she's going to be mortified mm. so how do you support your friend to then have a conversation with her daughter and then how do you support your daughter when her friendship with the mm. other girl might then break up i think that's the difficult bit because you, nobody nobody wants well everybody wants to shoot the messenger right mm. so i think how she addresses it is going to be difficult i do think as a parent you know the key thing about being parent, a parent is boundaries you can be as close to your child as you like but your job is to help them set boundaries mm-hmm. and to know where the line is and isn't and actually to help them understand that if one of their friends is 13 and having unprotected sex, she's not in a great place with her relationship. She needs to be in a place where she can talk about that. So it's everyone's job to say, OK, how do we set a boundary and protect this? Because the reality is, if she, if the other girl thought it was OK, yeah. she would be communicating it with her mother. So therefore, she knows potentially that it's not. Yeah. And, you know, and I think the fact that your daughter has told you, Joanna, that says... Actually, she's not very yeah. comfortable with this too, right? So she's worried about it. Could be a cry for help. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Pip, are you? Are yeah, you I think at mom? thirteen, it's way too early. I mean, I was just thinking in my head. My my baby brother, who's much much younger than me, came to me with a similar thing when he was eighteen. But it was him, and the first thing I was too scared to tell my mother. First thing I did was drag him down to an STD clinic, get him a test, and give him a heap of condoms. But that's a sibling relationship, not a parental relationship. And my brother will kill me for telling that story. <laughs> been like your parents now know if they <laughs> yeah, exactly they know that you know all the secrets <laughs> um yeah i think we're all in agreement you have to tell this girl's mum. she's 13 it is as nat says statutory rape and also it's a duty of care i really think just try to get the daughter on side if you can but if you can't you can't it's protecting yeah. a child i guess yeah, yeah. 
so our second question, I've got a second question this week. Um, this comes from Elizabeth via Twitter, and she says, I'm a young painter and I've recently started a website website to showcase my art pieces. I was contacted by an independent, quite well-known chain of pubs and asked if I wanted to donate some of my work to the venue. I'm still building my portfolio and completing a piece can take weeks, sometimes even months. If on the one hand, I really want my works to be showcased publicly to a wide audience like the one at the pub, but on the other hand, I feel like giving them away for free might be a mistake, what can I do? Should I say yes or not? Pip, what do you think? Do you think she should say yes? Yeah, I mean, this is such an interesting one. For example, you know, I'm a huge believer of interns should never, ever get paid. I'm never, never get paid. Listen to me. (laughs) What am I talking about? Should always get paid. (laughs) Um, So, you know, for example, on the dots, we have a rule that you can only post internships if it's a paid internship. When it comes to certain other portfolio building things, it is a bit of a grey area. Um, And actually, Kate Moross, who's a really famous designer, is a big advocate of, yes, there is sometimes you should do things for free, but only if you think the value you're getting back from that free um, kind of promotion is bigger than what you would get paid for. But, you know, you have to be really, really careful with this. And I think, you know, there might be a solution she could come up with where, for example, she said to the pub, yes, you can have my work in the pub, but it will have a price ticket next to it. And Mm -hmm. what we'll do is we'll share some profits on the sale of that artwork. So, you know, the wonderful thing about being creative is there are always creative solutions. So if Mm -hmm. someone offers you something to do something for free, see if there's a way you can still get money without necessarily them having to put money in their pocket, which they might not necessarily have as well. But I'm a bit more cynical about this. I think, like, what is this pub? (laughs) I mean, unless it's, like, got the biggest art influencers in the country in, really? What is this pub? Like, who even looks at artwork in a pub? It's just a normal pub? Like, why? Where's the value? Is it Damien Hurst local? Otherwise, no. Exactly. And then, yeah, totally. It's about value. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what Kate Morris said. If you think there's bigger value, go for it. If there isn't, just no way. Don't touch another bar. It's just a bit rude as well. (laughs) (laughs) Nat, would you do it? So I was just I was thinking about re- like revolution when I was at uni in Lancaster. I'm like, no, no one ever looked. At um, so I, I think it's about sweating the asset. So if I, I wouldn't give the work away free, but I would see if it can be sold, or I would just loan it and use the, the, the opening night as your your first gallery exhibition um, and get something from it. There's always a way to to sweat the opportunity, but I would not just donate and give my work away for free. I like that idea. Have mm. a party there and they can pay for the drinks exactly i mean because i was thinking actually can you rent it to them that's what i would ask like you can rent furniture these days can you actually rent artwork for the walls so they have it for a period of time and they pay you for that period and maybe if you sell it in that time they get a kickback or a commission or whatever but you if it's just you producing stuff for free and it's not damien hurst local (laughs) weeks of work she said exactly (laughs) doesn't feel like a good deal for me Uh, nat final question this week so my one is fitness related and it's from Yasmin and she sent it on the website my partner's resolution for the new year is to get fit I think we've all been there great I thought back in November when he started working out quite regularly then December came and he didn't even touch the potatoes at Christmas Uh. while eating protein only now it's January and he goes to the gym every night whenever he gets home he's shattered and while sex is not necessarily his priority now I know he's not cheating as his abs show that he is definitely taking the resolution (laughs) seriously but where is the line between seriously and obsessively how can I have my husband back while also making sure he is healthy and happy 
Oh, yes, mean. I feel, <laughs> I don't know. I feel a pain because I think we've all been in a relationship with someone when they suddenly get really enthusiastic about something that you are not that enthusiastic about. <laughs> and you have to make that decision about, am I going to kind of support and back this? Or am I going to say, actually, this is, is it something you just do on your own time and we have our own time apart? Or is it too big a gap to fill? Ernestina, are you? But wouldn't are you, you be supporting this? Wouldn't you be offended? Like if he's spending his time in the gym and like not having sex because he's doing that, I'd be like, "What? What's going on here?" I think it's just like it would. My ego would take a take a hit for sure. But also, like, fine for a little fad, whatever. Fine, what everyone else wants to do, but. If my man isn't eating a potato, that's really unattractive in my book. So that needs to be addressed. Not saying it's right for everyone, but for me, eat the potato. Pip, how do we deal when something goes from being like something that's, you know, healthy and good and you want to support to a bit obsessive uh, well my husband's an obsessive cyclist so I'm Is not sure but, um, actually, so you've that, got the lycra thing yeah I've got oh he Ooh. loves lycra I think that's why he cycles um, oh my gosh he's really going to kill me um, so um, yeah I mean funnily enough it, for us it works really well because he loves cycling and I love working so it kind of means that we do have that separate space and when we get back together we're actually really excited about seeing each other and it's our 10 year wedding anniversary coming up and I think oh, actually congratulations and I kind of think that part of that has been around that we have had separate interests but then also together interests and it means that we are genuinely excited to see each other but when it gets obsessive mm. you know my husband actually gosh I was about to say he'll always be up for sex he really will <laughs> so, like, that, that, that's more worrying um, when that happens mm. so I think the obsessive but you know what give it a month he'll probably start eating potatoes again but what happens if he started getting really boring about the, about the cycling because it sounds like there's a bit of that here like she's just bored of him and like that's something to be addressed as well yeah but if she's bored of him now maybe that's yeah. time yeah. to start but thinking. bored of the gym chat mm. I don't know <laughs> the gym it's, chat <laughs> it's probably just a fad like yeah. he's yeah. there give him a couple more months mm. to eat a potato and then revisit yeah, yeah. I, mean, I do think that there needs to be some sort of like public intervention around protein shakes and how oh, boring God. they are yeah. to yeah. listen yeah, to with people you. yeah I'm with you All right, I just don't need to know what's in your protein shake I don't <laughs> care I'm with you. oh my god that was a com- that's not why you know what I mean <laughs> Harriet I know yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I've lost it now. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think she should keep him? Do you think she's saying, are you having this conversation with your other half right now? Like, or are you this person? Are you really into it? Are you gymming every day? I went to the gym yesterday for the first time in about mm, three months. And I can't actually walk today. So I don't think it's a good thing at all. Nobody should go. Um, hey, but- hey, hey, hey. Don't knock the gym. <laughs> But we want to know from you. Come and tell us. Find us on Twitter at Badass Women's Hour, HR at Badass Women's Hour, or Instagram, Facebook, all the socials. Or, of course, like Yasmin, through our website, badasswomenshour.com. Uh, Pip, thanks so much for joining us, Madonna. Oh, it's been lovely you having you. Yes. If people want to know more about the dots, where can they find it? So, literally, just go on to Google, Google the dots, and actually, the app's coming out right now. So, oh, go to the app store and download it. So, yeah, we're there. <laughs> um, so, we're heading into the final part of our show where we talk about a woman from history a backdated badass that you absolutely need to know about this one is quite recent and believe me it's almost a certainty Mm. that she has touched your life in some way shape or form that is coming up next badass women's hour with harriet mincer natalie campbell and emma sexton on talk radio she'll get you talk when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Good. Welcome to the Badass Women's Hour. Three women, one hour. All the opinions we can muster and a whole load of badass here on Talk Radio. I'm Harriet Minter and I'm joined by my co-host Natalie Campbell. And this week, standing in for Emma Sexton, we have the fabulous Ernestina Potts. Ernestina, you've been so great. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Um, (laughs) uh, It's that time of the show where we like to get a bit educational. We take ourselves back in time and we learn about a backdated badass, a woman from history that you absolutely need to know about. And this week's is brought to us um, from Vicky by B- Vicky Simmons of MeanMail.com. Vicky, hi. Hello, how are you doing? Good, thank you. Who are you talking about today? So my favourite backdated badass is Nora Ephron. She's a screenwriter, producer, director, journalist, playwright and author. And she's basically um, written some of the most famous classic rom-coms you'll know. So things like When Harry Met Sally, Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. She is an... I was so excited when you said you were picking her because she is an absolute heroine of mine. I love her. Um, Tell us a little bit about how she got started. Well, she's got a very interesting life story, actually, because she was actually like a journalist and reporter before becoming, like, involved with Hollywood. Um, She was born in New York and then she was raised in Beverly Hills. Both her parents were writers as well, both um, playwrights and screenwriters. And she had three younger sisters, and basically her mother wanted them all to go out and work, so they all became a family of writers, when an era when women were usually kind of expected to be housewives. Amazing. Um, When she was at college, actually, she interned at the White House, and then she got her first big newspaper job at the New York Post by making fun of it. She was working at Newsweek at the time, and she actually applied there to be a, um, a female journalist, and they said, look, we don't have women as journalists here, so you can be our male girl and you can assist the male writers. And then there was like a news strike in 1962. So she and a couple of other writers created a satirical parody called The New York Pest. <laughs> and basically the, the publisher um, saw it. I think it's a lady called Dorothy Schiff. And she was so impressed she hired all the writers to write The Real New York Post. That's a great story. I love that. And wasn't it the case that that actual job, first job that she got as the assistant, did, they used to call, the titles for them were called Handmaidens? 
yeah handmaidens can you believe it and I love that she um, she talked about her life in Washington. And apparently she said, men dominate the conversations in Washington. And therefore, as far as I'm concerned, the conversations are far less interesting than those in New York. <laughs> so true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She always, what I like about her, she kind of always owned it and really called things out when they weren't right. But also, the, just her use of language is brilliant. So like, so, I don't know if people have seen some of the titles of her essays and books and stuff. I think her first published essay was called A Few Words About Breasts. Yeah. But especially yeah. given the time, I think yeah. this was, you know, many decades ago, pretty badass. Um, and just like really comedic kind of, um, there was another book that she did, I Feel Bad About My Neck and Other Thoughts About that's Me. Cash, <laughs> as you do. And obviously that's very kind of pertinent to what you're doing um, with your business, Mean Mel, um, Vicky. So uh, yeah, I guess that must is that one of the reasons that you kind of love her, I, I assume? Yeah, I love how um, acerbic and witty she is with everything. Mm. And when I'm making the meanwhile cards, there's a definite element of truth in all of them. Like, that's what makes a mean male for me. And I feel like that's what she captures in her writing. Because I like the fact she puts so much of herself into her work. It's that shadow side of things, isn't it? And I would read one of her essays on, on loneliness and she talked about being in her apartment in New York and being alone and then walking the city mm. but and being alone, but also not being alone because there was so much going on and what it meant um, as she was coming up to a different chapter in her career. And it just... So I'm not someone that reads essays in that way, but actually her writing was so... It, 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 you kind of get sucked into almost... I could, I could see her world through her eyes and she was talking about just, just dating and, and, and relationships and how sort of these relationships were transient because for her, that period of her life, she just wanted to be alone. You know, the Greta Garbo, I want to be alone. And it, it just, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was so, so powerful. So powerful. Vicky, tell us, yeah. how did she transition from being a journalist to screenwriter, director, producer? She did so much. I think it was actually through her husband, Carl Bernstein. So he was writing a script mm -hmm. for a film and they just weren't nailing it. Um, so she said, I'll have a go. And then that nice. got her work noticed. Yeah. So <laughs> then that's how she kind of moved over. Actually, um, she also um, wrote a film called Heartburn, which is actually based on a book about her breakdown of her marriage to Carl. Um, she found out, like, she was seven months pregnant with their second child because they had two boys. And she found out he was having an affair with a mutual friend. So she did what? what a great one will do, turned it into a book and then turned it into an amazing film. And um, there was so much back and forth in the, like, the, like, the production of the film because he wanted to be portrayed as like a loving father. Um, so it actually ended up being quite a work of fiction and he always threatened to sue, but he never did. <laughs> and what is your favourite Nora Ephron film? Oh, I would say Heartburn just because it's absolutely outrageous, like how... I mean, it's got Meryl Streep in it and Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson just won the Oscar as well for one flew over the cuckoo's nest. So they were a bit worried he was going to be a bit too much of a star in it. And they're like, look, it's about Meryl. It's not about you. But also, I watched Super in Seattle during Christmas Limbo. And it is a good film. Yeah, it really it really was right for that, yeah, you know. Exactly. It's just, it's just fun. Yeah. Um, well, Actually, you. you know, the, um, I was going to say, in the, the orgasm scene in Harry Met Sally, yeah, everyone thinks that's written by her, but it was actually written by Billy Crystal, which is pretty crazy. Oh, oh he yeah. added it in. Nice oh, bit of trivia there. Love it. Yeah, he, he, he used 
suggested the line, and then it's actually delivered by Rob Reiner, the director of the film. It's uh, delivered by his mother. So she was sitting on a table next door. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's a nice bit of trivia for a pub quiz, I think. Exactly. (laughs) Vicky, thank you so much for letting us talk about Nora Ephron because we love her and could talk about her forever. Um, And meanmail.co, not .com, I got it wrong, meanmail.co, do go check it out. It's brilliant, brilliant cards. So we're coming towards the end of our show today, but um, before we go, I mean, I think we should say a bit of a thank you to Ernestina for yes. joining us. Thank you. thank you so much for having me. It's been music, a blast. Uh, Ernestina, if people <laughs> want more from you, tell us a little bit about what you do, where they can find you, what else is going on for you. Yeah, so um, I also have a business um, called Milk Tooth LDN, um, which is dedicated to statement earrings, all about badass earrings, to um, wear to help you feel that bit more badass. Um, so that's at milktoothldn.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter and Instagram and all Fab. those normal things. Ernestina CH. Fabulous. Um, and we're going to put we'll put some pictures of the yes. earrings on the sh- on, it, yes, on our Instagram. Well, so if you, you look at our out. gifts, I usually wear them. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> usually on there. Yeah. Um, but as ever, before we end completely, do you know what it's time for? It is time for our first badass principle of 2018. Oh, no pressure, Nat. What is it? And so you, this, you haven't heard this one because we, I just made it up. It's badass it. And it's badass <laughs> it. <laughs> you just like, couldn't think of any oh, other no, words, no. could you? <laughs> hey, don't, don't laugh. It took me, it took me a whole show to figure that one out. And, but no, the reason I've chosen badass it over all of the other suggestions <laughs> is because, you know, it's a new year. We've been on the air for just literally a year and when we were talking about Nora Ephron and uh, Pip was talking about the dots actually if people can do one thing this year it's just be more badass and I I couldn't make the principle just be more badass (laughs) so I had to make it badass it Uh, Ernestina what are you going to do to badass it just quickly before we finish um sorry that isn't very quick is it um (laughs) I am actually going to be slightly less badass with some of my relationships, I think. And like, so sorry, I'm not going with you, but <laughs> Fine. I'm going to slightly do Choice. the opposite and look at look at ways where I can like cool it off a bit. Oh. Uh, well, if you are going to badass it in 2018, come tell us how. <laughs> come find us on social media. Tweet us at Badass Women's Hour HR, at Badass Women's Hour, or Instagram, Facebook, all the socials. Or you can come talk to us individually. I'm at Harriet Minter, Nat. At Nat D. Campbell. And Ernestina. At Ernestina CH. Um, and of course, you can come find us on our website as well, badasswomenshour.com. Or check out our podcasts. Have you heard the old shows? Have you heard everything we did in 2017? Because it's up yep. there on our iTunes now, Badass Women's Hour. Um, we love to hear from you and your thoughts and what you want more of. We are going to go now to badass it into 2018 <laughs> and work out what that actually is. Get yeah. a working definition. Um, but when we know, we'll be back here again next week Yay! for more badass with the Badass Women's Hour here on Talk Radio. Badass Women's Hour with Harriet Minter, Natalie Campbell and Emma Sexton on Talk Radio. She'll get you talking. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.